Welcome to another episode of Viatorian Voices Conversations on the Way. This is pre-associate Dan Masterton from Vocation Ministry, and I'll be your host for this special episode in our series on Catholic social teaching, A Lively and Enlightened Faith. This episode will unpack the CST theme, The Dignity and Value of Human Life. Catholic Relief Services CST 101 explains it like this. The Catholic Church proclaims that human life is sacred and that the dignity of the human person is the foundation of a moral vision for society. This belief is the foundation of all the principles of our social teaching. In our society, human life is under direct attack from abortion and euthanasia. Human life is threatened by cloning, embryonic stem cell research, and the use of the death penalty. The intentional targeting of civilians in war or terrorist attacks is always wrong. Catholic teaching calls on us to avoid war. Nations must protect the right to life by finding effective ways to prevent conflicts and resolve them by peaceful means. We believe that every person is precious, that people are more important than things, and that the measure of every institution is whether it threatens or enhances the life and dignity of the human person. To put it simply, Christ calls us to view and treat all human life as inherently and completely valuable in all forms and at all stages. To help us examine the dignity and value of human life from a Viatorian perspective, we'll first hear from a Viatorian priest who interacted with the late Cardinal Joseph Bernadine, who articulated a crucial teaching in this theme. Then we'll look at upholding life through educational access with Viatorian educational leaders. Finally, a Viatorian associate will help us understand end-of-life care a bit more fully. At the end of each segment, I'll offer some questions. I invite you to pause the recording to reflect and discuss. Let's go! Part 1. The consistent ethic of life is a social teaching that beautifully unpacks this theme. It was articulated by the late Cardinal Joseph Bernadine, Archbishop of Chicago from 1982 until his death in 1996 from pancreatic cancer. Father Mark Francis had many interactions with Cardinal Bernadine during Father Mark's time as a professor, as Viatorian Superior General, and also with peers and protégés of the Cardinal while he was president of Catholic Theological Union, where the Bernadine Center is now based. First, I asked Father Mark to explain the consistent ethic of life a bit further. Well, the consistent ethic of life is something very basic to, uh, to Catholic social teaching. It is the, uh, the conviction and the belief that uh, human life, all human life, has dignity from conception to, to death, and that it's the duty of, of Christians always to, to respect that life in all its forms. And so that means basic respect for everyone, regardless of culture, religion, race, uh, every human being is made in the image of God. It's so one of the documents of the Second Vatican Council, Dignitatis Humanae, speaks of, of, of this as uh, a, a basic uh, a given for all of our Catholic approach to life. And it has to be observed if we're going to be, if we're going to consider ourselves Christian. Then, I invited Father Mark to reflect on the seamless garment. The Gospel of John describes the clothing stripped from Jesus by the soldiers as a fine, seamless garment, and many use this passage as a metaphor for the consistent ethic of life. Father Mark explains a bit further and reflects on how we ought to build out this culture of life. Our respect and concern for human life needs to be consistent. 
and that shouldn't be divided. It shouldn't be split. And this is uh, they're using this this metaphor of, the, of Christ's mantle, which was a, a seamless garment that the Roman soldiers didn't didn't want to uh, divide because you would ruin it if you divided it. But the whole issue is, you know, we we as Catholics, of course, are, are known for being against abortion as as uh, a terrible thing, and the Cardinal, of course, taught that as well. But he said we can't be if we're not. We have to be consistent, though, in terms of how we're looking at human life, and human life in the womb is very important. But also human life in, in other moments is very important. So, for example, we also have to be equally opposed to capital punishment, to taking a human life is never is never something that we should do as human beings, because of our concern for the dignity of human life. The other, the other question too of uh, you know unjust wars, all the people that are dying. I can, when I was thinking about uh, this interview, I was thinking about uh, Ukraine, and the terrible things going on. The church has got to be against war, especially some stupid war like the the one in in, in Ukraine where so many people are suffering so needlessly. It's not enough simply to show respect to human life. But we have to show respect to human life and our actions and our policies. There's a question of, uh, when we're talking about abortion, we, yes, okay, we have to be against abortion, but we also have to be able to say that we are going to work and strive to, to make it possible for women to make the choice not to have an abortion. Because so many, because of where they are and their poverty and their exclusion, sometimes feel that they have no other alternative. There's this, this wonderful paragraph from Joan Chittister, Benedictine nun, who's very, uh, very pro- prolific author. And so, so I, I just want to share that with you because I think it, it, it kind of sums up how the cardinal also would put this in, into perspective. Sister Joan wrote, I do not believe that just because you were opposed to abortion that that makes you pro-life. In fact, I think in many cases your morality is deeply lacking if all you want is a child born but not a child fed, a child educated, a child housed. And why would I think that you don't? Because you don't want any tax money to go there? That's not pro-life. That's pro-birth. We need a much broader conversation on what the morality of pro-life is. And this is very consistent with what the Cardinal taught as well. And I think that we have to look at issues of life as also issues of how do we promote human flourishing. Questions for reflection. We are called to uphold life from conception to natural death. In what ways are unborn children, pregnant mothers, young children, and families with kids left undersupported or underprotected? In what ways are older children, young adults, and middle-aged people left undersupported or underprotected? In what ways are disabled people, chronically ill people, terminally ill people, and elderly people left undersupported or underprotected. Also, to hear my whole interview with Father Mark, listen to episode 39 in the podcast feed. Part 2. The Viatorians were founded to serve the altar and teach the faith better in communities that were underserved and under-resourced in rural France. In reading the signs of the times today, we have found a great fit as part of the Cristo Rey Network a group of Catholic high schools that create new access to private Catholic education. By having students work in corporate work-study placements as part of their school years, they defray the cost of excellent education, gain professional experience, and have opportunities to benefit from smaller classes, closer attention, and a faith-based education. 
in addition to serving as an endorsing community of Cristo Rey St. Martin College Prep in Waukegan, Illinois, we founded and administer Cristo Rey St. Vider College Prep in North Las Vegas, Nevada. Here, we hear from founding president, Father Tom Von Baron, founding admissions director, Brother Carlos Flores, and director of corporate work study, Associate Deborah Perez. They explain and reflect upon this Viatorian mission to increase educational access and help young people realize greater opportunity. First, Father Tom offers a quick summary of the Cristo Rey mission. Three pillars that make a Cristo Rey school a Cristo Rey school. One is that it has to be thoroughly Catholic and identified as Catholic. However, we invite people of all faiths and, and people of no faith to, to join our school community. Uh, but they do have to take religion classes and join in the faith formation program, our retreats and our school masses. The second is that you have to want to work hard and, and want to go to college. So we're college preparatory. For students who really are not looking to go beyond high school, we're probably not the right school. Third is that there is an income level that you have to match for us, and, and it's, it's almost the opposite of every Catholic school. You have to be at a certain income level or below in order to qualify. That's generally, for a family of four, it's well below $50,000 a year. Next, Brother Carlos describes what families are often looking for in high school education and how Viatorians can offer this through Cristo Rey St. Vider. They are looking for a place that is Catholic. They want to continue the Catholic education for their kids. They are looking for a place that is safe and a place that they can learn and be happy. And also because our families, especially the Latino population, they want to give a better education to their kids and it's like 90% of our families are Latino or Hispanic. So they, they are looking for all these things, and they don't have the income to pay to go to another school that is private and Catholic. So we offer this, and, and people really love the idea that Christores and Viator is here, that we are giving them something that they were looking to get um, many, many years ago, and finally we are here. So this is very important for our families, that we are here, and we offer what they are looking for, Catholic education, access a good education, and to prepare them to go to college, and they feel safe, and they feel that we are here for them. Finally, Father Tom and Deborah share their passion for creating this access and getting the chance to walk with students and families through high school. We're here because we want to offer every student the opportunities to succeed, and Quite frankly, here in Nevada, it, education is not a, a real priority in, in many places. We think that a lot of our students have not been given the opportunity to succeed and to be able to go to college because education hasn't been accessible to them. Public schools are the only, only option for them, and many of our public schools struggle, to be honest. We're a shining light, I think, and a, and a hopeful light for our, our families and our students. You know, you offer private Catholic safe education that offers a college prep curriculum, and we offer a corporate work experience that all of our students must uh, participate because that pays 60% of their tuition. So they actually go into the corporate work offices. They're learning how to, to be professionals, and that's how this works because obviously Catholic education is expensive, but the students are, are buying in and paying for some of their own tuition, and then we ask families to chip in a little and the rest is fundraising and support from the Las Vegas community. We want to focus on the students and their overall development. I think about also just in general the faith development for our students is definitely a journey. 
we're not guiding them. We're not even helping them. We're, we're walking with them. And so to be able to be on this journey with our students from starting in 2019 to see them grow into juniors and to hopefully look coming months as seniors is, is nothing short of spectacular. And, and lastly, one of the things that is special to the Viatorians, you know, is just the embracing those who are accounted of little or no importance. And I think of our students, they want to be seen. They want to be supported. They want to give, be given a chance. And to be a part of that is just really special to me. Questions for reflection. Teenage years are a major time for development in academics, in extracurricular activities, in faith life, in social life, and more. What opportunities can a good high school provide to a teen? Catholic schools sometimes cannot offer every opportunity that some public schools can offer, but there are special characteristics nonetheless. How would you say Catholic education can be distinctly impactful for young people? Education is often considered one of the most impactful ways to improve outcomes for children from lower-income families. How can a good education impact outcomes for a teen? Think about college applications, postgraduate career and jobs, and adult livelihood. Also, to hear the whole interviews by our host, Jim Mitchell, listen to Episode 5 for Father Tom and Brother Carlos, or Episode 21 for Deborah. Part 3 End-of-life care involves complex, difficult ethics. Catholic social teaching calls us to uphold life all the way to its natural death. This means we cannot accept physician-assisted suicide or euthanasia. However, it does leave space for us to help ill and dying people be comfortable, have relief from profound pain, and approach their death with care. Associate Mary Finks is a retired nurse who was a director of clinical services for a hospice care company. I decided to work for Hospice Kanky Valley, which is now Uplifted Care. Talk about care for those of little importance. Often, you will find yourself at the bedside alone with a dying person. Here she shares some knowledge and insight that can help us understand life's dignity, even at its end, and help us prepare for how we might face death in our family and for ourselves. First, Mary describes some types of care that people receive during profound illness and or nearing the end of their lives. Palliative care is care that's directed at people that have life-limiting conditions um, and they have a symptom burden. They have symptoms that are happening that need help to be managed. It's life-limiting, so you have a shortened lifespan, but certainly not uh, six months or less. While with hospice, you have to have a definite terminal diagnosis or life-limiting condition, but have an expected life expectancy of six months or less. That is the big thing. And currently, palliative care, you can still be doing curative treatment and receive palliative care. There are a couple of exceptions for this, but currently, to be on hospice, you have to forego uh, curative treatment. You have accepted your terminality. You have accepted that you're going to just uh, take care of symptoms as much as you can and live your life, do what you want to do, be with who you want to be, and maybe enjoy what's left of life rather than treating something aggressively. When we all know that sometimes the treatment is worse, worse than the disease. And so for me, um, hospice is a very natural progression of life, regardless of what you're dying. Next, she describes the approach of hospice care and how the goals of care shift to differently support the patient. When you're on hospice care, it's not like Drugs are handed out freely, but there's less concern about long life-changing 
things that happen to you when you take narcotics or opioids. We're not worried anymore about somebody becoming addicted. You're not going to live long enough to become addicted. Opioids are a, a more openly used, maybe, intervention. All the medications. The medications are focused a little bit differently when you're on hospice. You know, when somebody's still in curative care or palliative care or, you know, still in oncology, whatever kind of care they're in, meds are managed just a little bit differently. We're, we aren't so worried about, not that we're not worried about side effects, but you're not worried about too much of it. It's okay to take a little bit more uh, than somebody that's not dying. And, and certainly, hospice never wants to hasten someone's death, but they don't want to prolong their suffering either. And I, I've always told families too, when you sign up for hospice, you and the person, the patient, are now in the driver's seat. You tell us what you want, you tell us what you don't want. Whatever you want to do, whatever you don't want to do. You know, within reason, that's what we're going to do. Finally, Mary offers some insight for trying to think and talk about end-of-life care personally and in your family. And it is hard to confront that when you're 18 and graduating from high school, yes. that I'm going to die someday. Well, yes, you are. <laughs> I promise you, you are. But sometimes I think it's really good to have an idea of how you want to be treated when you're facing your death. For sure, you should pick whether you want to be an organ donor or not. I think for people that are facing the loss of an elderly person, I think it's really good to remember what does that person want? How does that person want to be treated? And maybe why do you want to be treated that way? A lot of times older people will say, I want everything done. What do you mean you want everything done? What, what does that mean to you? And often they'll say, I want them to be comfortable. I want them to not suffer. And that is every, to me, that's everything. That's everything you could ask for. It does not mean, though, that they want to be on a ventilator. It does not mean they want CPR, you know. And, and that's the big thing to me is that people need to know that a very small fraction of people survive CPR, especially if they're elderly and frail. And if you do survive, you're probably going to have some deficits. Does that mean nobody survives? Absolutely not. And it, it's always a joke that at holiday time, Thanksgiving time and Christmas time, when everybody's together around the table, let's talk about end-of-life care. But really, it's a, good, it's a good thing to talk about. Questions for reflection. Morally, what do you think are the differences between actively seeking assistance with suicide and receiving hospice care? What do you think are the benefits to electing hospice care? How does this help a patient physically and spiritually? As you think about parents, grandparents, or other family members, do you think you have a sense of how they'd want to be treated? What would be helpful to hear from them? What questions could you ask? Also, to hear my whole interview with Mary, listen to episode 44 in the podcast feed. That's all for this episode. Remember, in The Dignity and Value of Human Life, Christ calls us to view and treat all human life as inherently and completely valuable in all forms and at all stages. How will you respond? For more information or to seek accompaniment in vocational discernment, visit viatorians.com, follow Viatorian USA on social media, or email vocations at viatorians.com. On behalf of the Viatorian community, I'm pre-associate Dan Masterton. Venerable Louis Kerbs, inspire us. St. Fider, pray for us. Adored and loved be Jesus. <music>